Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> We are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you have sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians, a podcast in which I invite a friend over to watch a movie uh, and we discuss it as we watch. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Uh, this uh, episode is going to be no different than any other episode. We're going to be watching a movie. Uh, of course, this week we have God's Not Dead. And we will be doing it with a friend, uh, Chris Williams. Hi, Chris. Hey. Hey, how's it going, Joe? Hi. Uh, so let's get to uh, know you a little bit. Of course, we talked about this uh, a little bit in the uh, coming attractions. But uh, you have a podcast called Cross Culture Critic, right? I do. I have a podcast called Cross Culture Critic where I sit down with a co-host, Joe Yerke. He was the lead singer of the Christian ska band, The Insiders. And we just kind of talk about whatever's on our mind. I think we originally set out – I set out originally it was going to be more – you know, culture and politics and things like that. And it's just been more fun just to whatever's on our mind kind of yammer about. Right. Um, so you can find that actually at crossculturecritic.com, which is actually where all my writing is published as well. Right. And uh, so uh, I really love that uh, that podcast. And it's really interesting because uh, Joe Yerke seems like a uh, like more of a gruff man's man kind of guy. And he's actually a police officer. In uh, the Detroit area, uh, or uh, yeah, it's not Detroit actually, right? It's outside of it's, Detroit. He was he was a Detroit cop. Uh, now he's a Royal Oak cop, which is it's a suburb about fifteen minutes outside Detroit. So uh, yeah, yeah. When you meet him, he is you know he's bald, like shaved head, <laughs> you know. But he is honestly like one of the nicest guys right. I've ever met. Like, like I love doing this show with him because he's funny. I, I mean, he is a funny guy. <laughs> he really is, and and he likes to come off as you know he's just fun loving and doesn't not really opinionated. But but no, he actually you know he likes to come off as he's just coming off all you know off the top of his head. But he is so well thought out on what he thinks, and he can come up with it. Like I write notes, and he right off the top of his head knows what he thinks about something and he's comfortable saying it but he's always very loving about it and yeah i love doing the show with him it's so much fun right it's almost like you expect him to have different interests i think that's what uh the best way to put it and he's not he's super into pop culture he's super into music uh and like i said like i went back and listened to some insiders and i'm like wow that's the same guy but mm-hmm. when you listen to the podcast, it's like, of course, that's the same guy. He's he's actually he knows a lot of he loves movies. He loves music. And he's just. Uh, yeah, that's a great podcast for you guys to check out if you get the chance. So, yeah. So here we are. We're going to be watching God's Not Dead. Uh, let me 
pull up some information. I gave you the guys this uh, in the coming attractions, but uh, directed by Harold Kronk, screenplay by Hunter Dennis, Chuck uh, Kinzalman, and Carrie Solomon, uh, starring Shane Harper, Kevin Sorbo, and David A.R. White. A little bit of a... Not sure why he puts himself in all these movies, but uh, let's... oh my gosh, he is—he is like the—I uh, I don't know what he, but he is like one of the CEOs of Pure Flix, right? And he is in everything that Pure Flix does. <laughs> and I tried—I I put a feeler out to see if I could get him on my podcast, right? And. He has social media handlers who basically – it was like, oh, he's so busy. He's doing this show. We have to check his schedule. Also, we have to approve all the questions you would ask him. Yeesh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's no joke, which is funny because I actually will get into it. But uh, I think David A.R. White is one of the likable people in a very unlikable movie. So Right. And uh, that's the thing is uh, I, I was listening to another podcast, Tyler Smith, uh, who does More Than One Lessons. Uh, and he says that, like, well, maybe his his gift isn't acting. I mean, maybe, and of course we'll talk about this before, but his gift is uh, movie production. His gift is, you know, he put he created this Netflix for Christians. That's what he's talented, and maybe that's what he should be sticking to. Uh, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't. See, he he seems to like being in movies, so. He, he loves his little Hitchcock cameos, which, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, we'll get into where I think his uh, starring role is going to come down the road. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> – I, I like that he gets billing above Dean Cain. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, again, uh, the way we do this is we do a countdown uh, to the uh, – for the movie, we're at all zeros. Uh, if you want to watch along, if not, then it's okay. We're going to have a more broad uh, discussion about the topics of the movie. So here we are. Uh, three, two, one, play. Play. Okay. Lake. Pure flex. Music. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So because uh, w- even right at the beginning, there's a lot to talk about. But uh, let me ask this. Do you think that when they made this movie, do you think it was to evangelize? Is it like one of those movies where people say, hey, uh, this movie's so good I can bring my friends to it? Or do you think it was just purely for a Christian audience? I think it has to be purely for a Christian audience. There is so much in this movie that is so fear-based. Right. And patting on the back to Christians need to stand up and tell them they're right and the world's evil. I feel like if you brought a non-Christian friend into this... They would just leave very offended. Right. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what exactly – because if you make a, such a movie, a movie this big that you send to theaters, it should be for evangelizing. It should be to bring your friends to, to – Oh, wait, if, wait, wait. Hold on. I want to interrupt because we just missed the title where it said, God's dead. Oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> with the and then they spray paint it of course yes um yeah but uh, it, it just seems like if it's that big then shouldn't and especially if you're going to be arguing the existence of god it should be for evangelizing but it just it it does such a like you know serious job of insulting anybody who isn't a christian i i, I don't know it it seems it's counterintuitive yeah, I don't... 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think if they asked, they would say, oh, no, we're, we're here to evangelize. This is giving people hope. But really, the whole structure of this movie, you kind of have to be a Christian going into this because when the professor, you know, puts his challenge, you're supposed to feel like, oh, no, he's the bad guy. Right. And, like, this is made – this is preaching to the choir and, like, riling people up. I mean, this is a uh, Make America Great movie. Right. So uh- – <laughs> He's he's wearing his newsboy shirt, right? Uh, can't uh, you know? Can't uh, forget about them because they're a major part of this movie. Uh, yeah, and this is like kind of what Christians are doing now. There's a few movies that are like this where there's a big, uh, large cast of people, and we're following different people's different storylines, and then they all kind of come together at the end. Christian Crash. Right. And I think that the reason why a lot of movies are doing this now is because of Quentin Tarantino's movie, Pulp Fiction. I think that that's the first time. Well, it's not the first time, but it's the one movie that made it a big thing because now a lot of movies do that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pulp Fiction also like went back and forth in time and things like that. I think Crash is probably a huge influence on this. Mm -hmm. Um but the problem is when you do that, the reason to do something where you're looking at other people's lives is to build empathy for their lives and sure. to say, oh, they all come together and all their lives mean something and there's something to learn from each of their stories. But this movie builds so many stereotypes about each of these characters and the whole point is, oh, all of them except for Josh Wheaton is wrong. Right. And so I don't. I think it defeats that purpose of wanting to have these multiple, you know, narratives because all it's telling you is those other narratives are wrong, and they all need Jesus, and they're bad, and Josh Wheaton is good. Sure. And uh, I, I don't know. Um, we're not here to bag on movies. I mean, like I said, like we we're going to talk about this uh, in the uh, coming attractions, but we're not. I don't want to make fun of this movie and we're certainly not here to do that but we're here to kind of uh i don't know sh- iron sharpens iron sort of thing uh to encourage to correct if we're going to be making movies we should do our best to make the best movie we can and the reason i wanted to do this as i talked about before is i i this is such a big movie in christian culture and we just have to point out the shortcomings it's... Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. When I saw this movie, uh, it's it's hard for me to be charitable because this movie made me mad. <laughs> like, right. I, I remember being very angry when this movie came out. And it's really kind of the – I have the opposite reaction. Oh, okay, but I do want to talk about this scene real quick. We'll come mm-hmm. back to that. This is where the first time I got really mad, and it's the way that they shorthand someone who's not a Christian. You saw all her bumper stickers. Right. Which is like, me is murder – and I love evolution and stuff, which <laughs> I'm is a humanist. Really, yeah, it's it's really trying to shorthand to the audience that this is your non-Christian character, but it, it kind of gets in this mindset that I think those are extra biblical things, <laughs> right. right? Like you can be a Christian and a vegan, you can be a Christian and believe in evolution, right? And it, it's this weird. I, I think this is where you start confusing Christianity <laughs> for politics and culture. <laughs> and it, it starts it off on a really rough note. And here's Dean Cain, Superman. Superman, right. Two superheroes here, <laughs> Superman and, uh, and Hercules. Uh, and Hercules. 
Um, yeah, and again, I you know I don't know how many times I've run into an atheist who just loves evolution, just is uh, so in love with the concept of evolution. Yes, they have an "I love evolution" bumper sticker. Yeah, I, I mean. And I'm a Christian who believes in evolution. So, like, automatically, I'm like, oh, is this movie about me? <laughs> like, it, you know, I'm a blogger like this girl. I, You know, I'm a blogger who believes in evolution. And I'm not vegan. But, you know, I, it, it's weird because it's automatically setting up an us versus them within Christianity. Right. Which is it, so, so uncomfortable. So it's not even just for Christians. It's for a particular kind of Christian. Yeah. And... I, I mean, I keep going back to a movie called Blue Like Jazz mm-hmm. that has a similar plot, which is a Christian goes to a liberal university. Um, and it actually has a really good way of handling this because I think there's a lot to say about this whole bumper sticker culture. Right. And it cuts from one, you know, one person who has all these Jesus bumper stickers on their car. Next shot is a liberal, you know, the car of a liberal person with all their bumper stickers. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a much more clever way to play into this, that we all have these slogans that identify us. Well, what's the truth behind them? What's the depth behind them? And instead, this is just, like, really shallow, it starts off. Um, And I want to get back. I was saying it's different than other Christian movies in that usually I'm like, well, there's a good message, but it's really inept filmmaking. The filmmaking here is actually really solid. Like, I I mean, it's really – it's competently made, and I think actually – the acting is perfectly fine in it, and Kevin Sorbo is—he goes for it, right? Um, but uh, it's a weird place because it's—it's a well-made movie. Yeah, um, I going back to a movie that we've done before, uh, Old Fashioned. That one actually, the cinematographer for that movie was amazing. I'm shocked at how great the cinematography is in that movie. So there are like talented people within Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. Within Christian filmmaking, and I just – if only the writing and maybe directing was up to that you know, level, was a little bit better. I think that the person who did Old Fashioned can work in major movies because they did such a great job in that one. Yeah, yeah, and there's a movie out called Little Boy that was a faith-based movie, and you should do it for your show because it, it has an interesting ending. Um, but the cinematography in it is gorgeous. Okay, here we here's the main story. Here's Hercules. Right. Here's Hercules coming in with all of his might and power. <laughs> and his philosophy, his intro to philosophy class. Yeah. Um and okay, I, I sorry, I'm watching him. Okay. Kevin Sorbo's given his speech in just welcoming the class and he's going to lay down the gauntlet in a minute. <laughs> right. Uh, and so here's the thing, I I hate philosophy. I really can't uh, get my head around it because it's really complicated. And at the end of the day, I have to ask, well, we're arguing over something that we'll never truly know. You know, if our brain is inside of a jar being, you know, like a matrix kind of thing, we'll never know it. So we're arguing about something that can't really, you know, be proven. And I know that it's important to a lot of people. But, I mean, for me, it's really difficult to understand it. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. And I think the professor, a good philosophy professor would know that philosophy is not coming, you know, there's not a right answer necessarily. It's finding the right way to think. And so there's multiple viewpoints. So I feel like you're a really bad philosophy professor. If on the first day you just tell your class, 
God is dead. That's the end of the story. Like that's that's the uh, the worst way to go about understanding philosophy, which is coming to different views and arguing and finding proof. And you know, where's Kierkegaard on his uh, his board there? Right. So yeah, it just seems like a weird way to kick off your class, which is broadening minds and expanding thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, and then say, oh, by the way, God's dead. That's the end. Yeah. Um, but let let and let me put this out there. It would be naive for us to say that this doesn't really happen in the world. People do. Sure. Christians do experience persecution, and I don't. I don't want to say persecution, discrimination in college campuses, uh, in their workplace, in their daily life. There are lots and lots of examples in which. Christians are discriminated against because they're Christian to say that it doesn't happen. And I want to put this out there for people who like, who say that it, it, it does exist. We're not saying it doesn't. Uh, at least I'm saying that, it, you know, to make a movie like this is saying that it happens really often. And right. I don't think that that's the case. And I think we need to make that distinction. Right. And like I, I know I've been in classes before where I've had professors say, oh, there's no God, and it's just kind of taken as a given. Like, you should know that. Right. And I don't know that I've ever been in a position where I've spoke up and said, well, you're wrong, you know. <laughs> but anytime I have been met by that, you know, or, or I've said, you know, I'm a Christian, I don't really get a, hostil- a hostility. I just kind of get a, oh, okay. You know, agree to disagree. Um, But yeah, I mean, for the purposes of a story, I think it's a interesting jumping off place. Um, I I think if you wanted to make a movie that discussed, you know, belief in God, maybe this isn't a bad place to start. It might be a little too on the nose. But I mean, you're setting up your argument here, and I, I think it's fine. It's just a little heavy handed. Right. And I should point out to this philosophy professor and I don't know, I'm not an expert in him, but uh, Albert Camus was an atheist. But I think I remember understanding that he wanted to believe in God. Really? I don't think he was hostile okay. to the idea of Christianity or, or God. He just didn't believe in it because he, of course, uh, talked about existentialism. And actually, <laughs> uh, he's the person that brought me to God is when I read Albert Camus uh it just blew me away. It took such a weight off my shoulders to understand that there is no rhyme or reason to life. And, you know, life doesn't, uh, life is meaningless. And I, I can get into that a little bit more later, but I don't think that life has absolutely no meaning because I believe in a God. But I think that if we focus too much on the earth here and now, then we are going to lose meaning. And I think that that's something that um, Solomon said when he wrote, uh, that's the point of the songs of uh, Ecclesiastes, is it's reminding us where we should put our focus. Mm-hmm. And so I just yeah. wanted to toss that out there, that this professor isn't a very good one. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a- also, I mean, these are not very good students either, because you're entering a philosophy course, and the professor says, write down God is not, or God is dead. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> like yeah, learn for yourself. But I, I have, I also have a hard time believing this would be the only student in this class who's conflicted over this, right? Uh, 
yeah. Considering how self-righteous a lot of college students are, I know that you know many would say, no, I'm not going to write that just on principle. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, but he looks very conflicted here. And <laughs> he's about to have his first stand I will say, I think Kevin Sorbo is good in this. <laughs> like, like, I, I really, like, he, he's bad. He might be, like, kind of poorly written, but, I mean, the dude tears into this performance. Yeah. And, like, I like him in this. I, I like the little eye gestures, the condescending little smirks. He does a good job of of being a self-righteous, you know, hate, you know, uh, anti-theist, as he's called at the end of, you know, of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay, here's their showdown. Now, <laughs> Josh Wheaton, I always want to say Joss Whedon yeah, when exactly. I hear this, um, but it's obviously, I guess, Joshua from the Bible and Wheaton, you know, Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. It's where, where oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah. In the sequel, the uh, protagonist's name is Grace Wesley, huh. which is maybe even more on the nose. <laughs> and then in the third one, it's going to be uh, Jesus uh, Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be Calvin Lewis. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> uh, and now, okay, the other ultimatum is he would lose 30% off his grade in this if he didn't do The God's Not Dead or The God's Dead. Sorry, I keep going back to the title. Right. But uh, – yeah, just study. Get the C. Yeah, it's not going to... That's the thing, is that this is setting it up to say that this will ruin his entire career if he fails this course, or if he even gets a C. Yeah. Which wouldn't happen. You would totally... And the professor would just say, fine, don't, you know, don't do this. You're going to get a C at best. And it sucks for somebody who's an overachiever, but it won't ruin your college career. So I think that... You know, I think another problem in Christian films is they don't really look too into how, you know, a, a, a re, it doesn't really try to come up with a realistic storyline. Yeah, although I will say this main storyline of, hey, I don't believe in God, you believe in God, here's your chance to, you know, convince me. Okay, that's a that's a solid idea for a story right there. Right. Um, I, I mean, it, this storyline is honestly, in my opinion, the least problematic one in the movie. Um, it, it is a chain letter that is put to film. Like, I think this <laughs> is actually based off a chain letter that was going around. But okay, I mean, give this film, you know, if you're a Christian film and you want to evangelize, then this is a good way to set up an apologetics lesson. Uh, whether they succeed will you know, we'll see. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, okay, I, I can go with that. And it, it feels like something as a teenager. I grew up in Christian culture, and I probably would have eaten this movie up as a teenager. And I, I think that's the thing is you want it wants to set up this idea for teenagers and stuff because with the newsboys and stuff, this is definitely aimed at the youth group audience. Right. Um, it's setting up that when you go to college. Your major challenge to your faith is going to be enemies, those outside the faith. And I think that's where it kind of misses an opportunity because I know when I went to college, it wasn't people outside the faith that were my biggest challenge. It was my own, you know, wrestling with, okay, what I learn, you know, what I believe is that, do I believe it because my parents taught it? Do I believe it because it's what I've grown up in? Or do I truly believe it? I mean, that's the challenge that's waiting. Right. And you prepare people for all this persecution, and you don't prepare them for the fact that just 
the natural part of growth of making this your own is going to have you ask questions and doubt. And doubt is a good thing because it's kind of the garden where faith grows. Right. And And, Go ahead and finish. Oh, and I I just think that's – I think the church is very afraid of the fact that people doubt when they get into college. Yeah. And I think it's just a natural part of questioning, of making it your own. And I would much rather see a movie that deals with that and deals with that honestly. Right. If you uh, look at other points of view and you and, and you try to show how really, uh, you know, how would I put this, convincing other arguments are, and then you discuss that, that would be much better for for Christian audiences. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And here's Willie Robertson. Yeah. From Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty and the blogger from her website, The New Left. The New Left, Uh, mind you. The New Left. Different from the old left. Yeah, I I, I think this might be really dated, too. Is Duck Dynasty still a thing? I think it was at the time. I know at the time it definitely was, but it feels like one of those things that, like, flashed out really fast. And her main opposition to him is not that he's a Christian. It's that he kills animals right which, which i guess if you're an atheist you hate that <laughs> well i will say morrissey refused to play uh, uh the jimmy kimmel show because he had one of the duck dynasty guys on oh really and but you know let's be fair everyone mocked him for that everyone <laughs> thought that that was a ridiculous just play your show you weirdo okay i'm watching his conversation and it yeah, it's look like she is just cornering him because he's a hunter. Right. And I don't like okay, I can I can see maybe you're going to interview a guy like as a journalist, maybe I'd want to interview him and say, "What's your view on that?" I can't see cornering him like gotcha journalism exposing that Willie Robertson is a hunter, which is what he's known for. Right. And (laughs) that she would be a very bad blogger then, you know? Yes. Like breaking news, breaking news. Duck dynasty likes to shoot animals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, now she's mad because they pray to Jesus in every episode, which I do know. There are a lot of people that, that I, I don't know if it's that people were actually upset that duck dynasty featured a prayer at the end of it. Or Christians were upset because they thought other people were upset above it about it. Right. I, um, but yeah, whatever. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing, but it's really a plug for Duck Dynasty right here. <laughs> um, and what I, I don't know enough about Duck Dynasty to say whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, it just feels very cameo. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Here's our superstar cameo is Duck Dynasty, and because that'll get in our base. And of course, he has the American head headband on. <laughs> so again, us versus them. We love America; yeah, they exactly. don't. Yeah, it's it, it really is a lot of that. It's less Christianity versus atheism, but this certain brand of Christianity against everything else. Right, and and you know maybe. Uh, needs uh, to be brought up this i uh, what happened with uh the uh the 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 elder uh duck dynasty man <laughs> i don't remember his name yeah i i found it really strange when that gq article came out that created so much controversy what he was said that the one where he was like i don't want to I, I, he was making some really crude comments about gay people. From yeah, but uh, what I remember most is like his 
his remarks about homosexuality were crude, but the more offensive thing that he said were about race, racism, were, were about race. Where he said oh, that, I don't think I'd read that. Yeah, exactly. It's like people kind of overlooked the racial stuff as opposed to the homosexual stuff because he said that, like times of in the times of Jim Crow, African Americans were much happier. Oh dear, and they didn't complain as much. And so, and but that stuff was crazy, like ignored over the few kind of you know not. I wouldn't even call them that offensive. Just like ugh, Grandpa just said something weird again. <laughs> okay, here's another subplot, and, and it's it's where there's something interesting that I just don't know if they go for. The, this Muslim girl, mm-hmm. and her dad is talking about how they ha- he has to shelter her from the culture, and he knows how hard it is to live in a culture she sees but can't touch and has to be set apart from things. And I think that's interesting because I would love to see something that kind of – looks at the parallels of a Muslim girl growing up in that culture and a lot of fundamentalist Christians who are also taught abstain from anything, you know, the world's music and and anything like that. And instead it's just her Muslim father's a monster. Well, yeah, and it seems like a complete 180 because he has all the empathy in the world for her, it seems. Mm-hmm. He yeah, really, and then he gets mad. Yeah, he, he really understands how hard it must be for her, but he has to because our God is bigger than this planet yeah and it's it's so weird because i listen i I watch him tell her you know it's uh, you're set apart from everything and the movie is kind of judging that which maybe it should but i'm i remember growing up in baptist subculture where i was told burn our green day cds and you know, don't watch any movies but christian movies and don't have any friends but christian friends and be careful of how you dress which is really a lot of the same things she's going through and it, it just it's so weird to see that's bad because it involves a headscarf but yeah. christians will tell their kids to do the same things right that would be a yeah i think that's your point right that would be a yeah. really interesting movie a really sheltered christian and a really sheltered muslim become friends and realize wow we have a lot in common and yeah. we can break out of the shelter and embrace the world in our own way yeah exactly i think that's interesting even even if it's coming to a point where they don't agree theologically on things like understanding that they have this common ground and how do they wrestle with that and entering into the tension of that too like there's just i I think this takes some decent ideas and then just treats them shallowly and I think they, you know, it does the audience a disservice because I think the audience would want to see that. I think they'd be interested in that. Maybe I'm wrong, but no, I, I, um, yeah, also, I would totally be into that. She is a really well-paid blogger if she can afford three computers. I know, jeez. I mean, and, again, a really bad blogger, but apparently a lot of people read her. A lot of people read the New Left. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's David A. R. White, Mister Mister Pierflix. Right, um, and I, I do have to say I like him in these movies. Uh, he's in the second one too, and according to like the end credits of the second one, he'll be like the main figure in the third one. Right, but I I like him. He comes off as very casual, and it might just be that he's not the world's greatest actor. <laughs> but yeah, I feel yeah. like I feel like he would be the pastor at a church I attended. Yeah, ex- except that maybe the uh, <laughs> the lessons that he's being taught are very 
basic kind of well, stuff. Sure. I mean, again, that's more of the problem with the writing. I think that what he's learning, the lesson that he learns is, isn't well, you know, thought out as opposed to the actual storyline of him and his, uh, you know, friend, you know, They're, trying to make their way to, uh, to, to Disneyland. Disneyland. <laughs> Which is like the only reason they're in the movie until the end, right? Um, but yeah, I I like him in this. He's kind of casual. He's he's kind of funny in the second one. The second one's actually a uh, a little bit better of a movie. Um, it kind of dials back on a lot of the anger and fear mm-hmm. and treats its people a little more fairly. Uh, there there are some non Christians who aren't like salvation targets in it who are still sympathetic. Um, it's not a great movie. It kind of veers more into the persecution angle, but uh, it's it's an interesting look. I, I felt better about that one than this one. Yeah, and here's something interesting: is that they've the third movie is going to tackle, I think, um, you know, uh, Christian pastors having to be, uh, you know, I don't know, find or lose their, you know, I I, I don't know exactly. I think it happened once where a pastor had to turn in their their uh, their sermons to the yeah, government. Yeah, it was in Houston, like Houston, a few years ago, I think. Right, but now it's happening in a time when Christians are kind of succeeding. I, I, I this this movie was made in a time when people felt more persecuted. The new one is going to be like, oh, woe is us! We're being persecuted in a time when they really shouldn't be you know complaining so much because we're doing much better yeah well they're doing much better yeah they're they're doing uh, much better um yeah no i that, i didn't even think about that but i still think a lot of the christianity in culture today like we're still hearing even though our president has said you know we'll all say merry christmas there's still that fear that uh oh what if they tell me happy holidays <laughs> like like there's still that fear of persecution and I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll be very realistic for how they they get it in there, but I, I think they'll still just go with that. People will still be like, yeah, that's right. You know, the government can't tell us what to do. I'm like, yeah, they can't because you just elected a government that agrees with you. <laughs> but, uh, okay, this is, uh, this is the other subplot that kind of gets me is uh, I believe her name is Amy Ryan, but she is not obviously the Amy Ryan from The Office. Right. But – Let's give the atheist cancer. Yeah. Like, that, like that, there is a really weird strain in this movie of, you know, this is a movie that doesn't want Christians to be persecuted, but it really lashes out persecution on its non-Christian characters. Yeah. Um, like, people get beaten for, you know, thinking about Christianity. They get cancer because they're atheists. They... Well, there, there's a pretty big one at the end, right. but uh, you know, it, it really is. I don't know. Like, there is a mean streak in this movie that like really unsettles me, and I think this has often been in Christian movies where, because the stakes are you know eternal life and death, then every character has to deal with some threat to their life, and it just always kind of comes off as too much. Like I remember watching a movie at our church as a kid and it, it bothered the heck out of me because it was this lighthearted family drama or a family comedy, I think, because I remember laughing a lot. 
where this family adopts this kid. He's kind of a troublemaker, but then he becomes a Christian, and ha, ha, ha. This is great. At the end of the movie, the kid runs through a plate glass window and dies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember as a kid, like, we're watching this on Sunday night in church, and it just, like, uh, took the air out of me and bothered me for the whole night because I'm, you know, seven or eight at that time. And I just, like, this lighthearted movie ends with this kid dying, and it's like – to hammer home, like, what would happen if you die? <laughs> and I, ugh, it's just always something that stuck me wrong. Okay, um, and here's his girlfriend, who I can't really figure out. Right. Like, like, she's a Christian, but she doesn't want him to stand up, so I guess she's, like, the lukewarm Christian I su- who isn't going to stand up. Yeah, I suppose. Because this is, and I want... They've been dating for six years, so this is... I think that they're having a courtship kind of relationship it seems i don't know she's she's got her hands on his back can you do that when you're courting oh i don't know that's a good point <laughs> and they do kiss so maybe not uh yeah but yeah it's i, I don't know like she's just kind of set up to be you know oh are you going to defend god or are you gonna stay with your girl <laughs> i mean because that's the thing is they she says that she chose that college which wasn't beneficial for her you know to be to stay with him so there is this kind of idea that if you're dating you have to date for life (laughs) essentially date for life and really i mean your dreams if you're a woman have to dovetail with your future husband so it doesn't matter what the best college is go to the one that's going to help you be the best wife Right, so she's dedicated enough to do that, but she's not yeah, dedicated. But I mean, she doesn't want him to stand up. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird relationship. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, good for him. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's really there's we don't learn much about her, so she's really just set up to be an obstacle. Right, which I think would have been better if she was like more supportive, like if she was his encouragement. But I guess that's. Then Pastor Dave or Reverend Dave wouldn't have that or role. Even, even better, give him a girlfriend who she starts to doubt her faith. Like there's no there's no real faith struggle with her. She's just don't stand up to the professor. But what if he went out to college, he's a committed Christian, and she's a committed Christian, but she starts doubting. And her doubts start to shake him because he's really never shaken in his faith. He's always very confident in what he believes, which movies are all about conflict. So I, I don't I, I don't really see much doubt in his in his story about what he really believes. He just believes it. Mm-hmm. And it would have set up something kind of emotionally cool to see him having to wrestle with, do I really believe what I'm about to present to the class? Like or, or do I just believe it because this is what I grew up? And, oh, this person I love, she is now starting to doubt this. And what do I do with that? Yeah. Again, something that a lot of Christian films kind of sh- fall short with is that there's no journey. An important part of every story is mm-hmm. the journey and growth. And very often there isn't much growth in the main characters. They're always right. They're always good. And they always succeed. And that's yeah. just not part – that doesn't make for a good story of any kind. And I wonder if part of that has to deal with 
Oh, if we start to take the professor's arguments seriously, what if that reaches a Christian who's in the audience and they start doubting because of what we put in the movie, which is also why a lot of apologetics books don't really give, you know, fair looks at arguments against them. You know, it's more let's keep surrounding people with this message, because if they hear anything that's the opposite of it, they're going to doubt and they're going to run from their faith, which to me is a lack of faith in God. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I believe he is big enough to handle whatever questions we have on this. And I want to see a movie that says that. Like, yeah, we, you can't prove God scientifically. We can, we can have all our arguments that help us say, this is why I believe. But at the end of the day, faith hinges on not knowing for sure. Yeah. And I I think Christian art doesn't know how to do that. Like, I don't know if regular art knows how to do that. I mean, that's a pretty abstract concept to get. Right. Um, but instead, they, you know, we get we get speech. We get tell, don't show. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, his arguments, one thing I will give his argument is I believe he actually starts from a place of acknowledging an old earth, which is kind of weird for a Christian movie. Yeah, that's true. It's not uh... – a 6,000-year-old Earth, or 10,000? Yeah, I feel like that's progressive for a Christian movie. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're getting to his argument. Okay, and he does acknowledge you can't prove the existence of God. Mm-hmm. But you can't disprove it. And sure, okay. It, yeah, and maybe we can talk about this afterwards, but uh, I wanted to touch on the idea of if it's okay to just say, you know, God is dead just for the grade. Like, would it, you know, but uh, we mm-hmm. can talk about that afterwards. When, yeah, I, this idea of putting God on trial, by the way, is not new. I remember Sunday school classes about that, and I think that's kind of interesting. But you're still coming up to, oh yeah, Big Bang Theory, right? And that's very progressive. This is also a very nice PowerPoint for a college freshman. Yeah, I mean, why is he pursuing <laughs> the law? He should be like in video production or something. Yeah. Like something behind the scenes in film, because he does a really good job. I and Yeah, your idea of would it be okay to put God's Not Dead on the paper. I mean, you're talking to someone who in, like, eighth grade, I had a mathematical question that ended with 666, and I changed it because I didn't want to write it on the paper. <laughs> because I, I guess I was afraid I was going to, like, usher in the end of the world or something. Right. Um, you know, I honestly don't know if it would be okay to do that for a grade. Um, I, I think that's an interesting question. Um, personally, I don't think you should go against your conscience. Right. Uh, and, and I think there's philosophy to back that up. But, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely think the character should be commended for not just saying I'm going to do this for a grade just as I think all these other students just write it down for a grade which shows a lack of critical thinking Um, if if all you want is a grade then put down God's not dead but if you really want to learn you think for yourself right because I was actually considering like wondering about that because uh, in a podcast I was uh uh, the, the the subject was brought up, and they said, "Well, what's more important if your if your life depended on it? Is it more important to say that God is real or that I'm a Christian, 
or to live and to continue to be a father to your children, a husband to your wife, you know, you're destroying lives by not saying, you know, by, or by saying that God is real or that you're a Christian. And that was really kind of something that I was wondering is really, is it like, that's a good point. But uh, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, I still believe that, you know, declaring God's existence, you know, is probably what God would want us to do <laughs> to not deny him. Hi, I'm jumping on here to let you know that the audio dropped out for a quick second. So you're going to hear a little bit of silence and then we jump right back in. So uh, just uh, be patient. Oh, here we go. You still there? You there? Yeah. Okay, for whatever reason, I muted out. Oh, no. <laughs> so so listeners got to hear that. I was saying you should take um, – that. that's a conversation you should have when you get to silence. Ooh. The, this idea of whether or not it's okay to blaspheme to save a life, to save the life of someone in danger. Yeah. Like, like, that's an interesting question. That's what that movie wrestles with. I think there is a way to do this movie, too, without setting up the us versus them, which is – you set up the professor at the beginning of the course, and he says, we're going to go through all these arguments for and against God over the course of this philosophy class. And at the end, your only grade is for you to write God's dead or God's not dead and back it up. Hmm. And then you set up where this student has to start asking questions and going down that journey we talked about. And the professor can still you know, kind of argue against him and stuff, but then you have this internal conflict with the character, and maybe the people around him are starting to question things. And even at the end of the movie, you could have him, you know, you know, the triumphant ending where he writes, God's not dead, or something like that, if you wanted to do that, or leave it more ambiguous. But I feel that's the more interesting movie, is when, you're pre- when you've grown up with this faith, and you're pre- presented with the alternative... What does that do? What does that look like? And how do you make a determination that doesn't just hinge on, well, this is how I grew up? Right. Like, and- I feel that would be an interesting movie and an interesting way to take this, which, um, again, Blue Like Jazz kind of takes that tact. It's someone who's angry at the church and kind of runs from it, but yeah. comes back around in a way that isn't preachy and still treats all the other characters as human beings and with love. Yeah, one thing that I really appreciated, and maybe uh, it might upset some listeners, but I I really appreciated that one of his best friends is a lesbian, mm-hmm. and he it never is discussed. She she's just a lesbian, and he's her you know her friend, and it's never really argued about or debated. It's just yeah, she's my friend. She's not a Christian, and that's just what she does. And I yeah, really and- appreciated that a lot. Yeah, I loved that. I, I love the fact that you can tell that movie loves that character. Like, they treat her as funny. She is a good person in the movie. Like, she's she's not an antagonist. She's not a salvation top target. She is just a friend. Right. And there's an outspoken atheist character who would probably really love Professor Radisson in this. <laughs> and he's outspoken. And the end of the movie is not him getting his comeuppance, but it's not him getting saved. It's just him and the Christian finally sitting down and saying, hey, let's just talk about this. Mm. And I'm like, that is where – because I feel so much of the problem between evangelicalism and the world right now is we don't know how to communicate. 
like we are so entrenched on us versus them, you know, be in the world but not of the world, that we see each other as enemies. So evangelicals are often taught, you know, unbelievers are enemies. They are out to tear your faith down. They do not believe in God, so they will just do bad things because they're selfish at heart. But the other side is often taught Christians are, you know, radicals and they only want their way. And I feel there's, you know, I want art that says, no, we can dialogue on this. We can both be wrong. Instead, we get this scene where the professor, like, you know, straight <laughs> out threatens this guy. Like, he's he's almost going to cut this guy. <laughs> like, like, and I, I would feel like this is a fireable offense to, like, tell your student, oh, I'm going to enjoy failing you. Right. I, like, before he's he's made his attempt at satisfying your requirements. As, he as, also doesn't know what pre-law is. Right. <laughs> yeah, as, as I, I don't know, as, as liberal as colleges might be, I mm-hmm. think that most colleges would rather not have the, heart, the, the headache. They would be, like, really upset at this professor uh, for doing this. They, they don't want to deal yeah. with a legal fight over something so small. Yeah, and and I just feel like, too, it goes against the whole idea. Like, it, there's this idea that it, I remember being warned not to go to a non-Christian college because they were just going to corrupt my thinking. And that seems to be the thinking in this the portrayal of this college. Like, they are just out to get you. And really, what I learned at college, I went to a state university, and they they taught me how to basically – how to think. And I think – they would be just as mad at a professor telling their student, by the way, there's no God. You just got to accept that instead of the professor saying, hey, you've got to come, you know, you've got to decide for yourself what you believe. Yeah. Uh, it, like it's it's just and I feel there's a more interesting story in, you know, you you have to decide for yourself. Right. Like there's more inherent drama. It's just not as pat on the backy if you do it that way. <laughs> Um, because now he's being persecuted because his girlfriend broke up with him. Yeah, uh, and again, when I do believe that there are, this does happen. There are students who are punished for being a Christian, and uh, on the DVD, there's actually um, what do you call it? There's a little mini uh, documentary, like a five minute thing that shows, gives examples of three different Christians who were punished for being a Christian. Uh, one of them, you know, maybe debatable. But so this does happen, but I don't. The reason that convinces me that there there isn't Christian persecution, like flat out, the of the country is coming after us, is because of my atheist. I have you know I've spoken to atheists who believe that they're the most persecuted group in America. Mm-hmm. They literally say no, atheists are the ones that are under attack by Christian America, and they have a lot of examples themselves. You know, reasonable ones and unreasonable ones, and they believe the same thing. And, of course, any Christian would say, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Seriously? But their examples are just as legit as Christian ones. So I, I, I can't believe that either or is being persecuted if both believe that they are. Yeah, and I feel it gets into something like... The best movies, if a movie, if you really want to impress me with a movie, you handle empathy well. And I think that's what we need is Christians need to understand, A, why some people are atheists and 
what concerns they have about that. And I think atheists need to understand the same thing about Christians and what we believe. I, I, I feel the best art is going to be able to tell Christians, hey, people are atheists because they're hurting, because they have they, – a lot of times they've had a, a negative response to the church, and we need to own up to that. And atheists, I think, sometimes need to know – or not even atheists, but agnostics or just people who aren't Christians need to understand – Christians believe strongly about things because we believe the Bible is God's word. Right. And, you know, those are beliefs that we have to make sometimes that are – we have to take stands that are tough and that honestly kill us to take because we do believe that those words are special. And I think both sides need to understand each other better. But it doesn't happen when we have stuff that – that basically pats Christians on the back for being great. Or on the other hand, um, Bill Maher did a movie a few years ago called um, Religious, was it? Yeah, that was it. And I I don't mind Bill Maher all the time, but that movie made me mad because it was just such a smug, smarmy attack on Christians. And it, it wasn't empathetic. It wasn't trying to understand them better. It was just... Uh, look how stupid they are for what they believe. Yeah. And we're saying, hey, look how blind they are for what they don't believe. And yeah, and, I, and continue to be smart, smirky and like, you know, obnoxious at the Oscars when he presented the best documentary of the year award and said, oh, mine wasn't, uh, you know, nominated because of the Christians in Hollywood. And yeah. he couldn't let that go. And uh. I, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why Dean Cain is in this movie. Um, he's her boyfriend, the blogger's boyfriend. Right. And then he has something going on with his mom. But then he doesn't really play a role in the rest of the movie. He's not, like, part of the main plot. I think they just wanted Dean Cain. Yeah, maybe, like, because to play the worst human being imaginable. <laughs> he is. He's he's really bad. He is not so Superman. But <laughs> I, I really, what was really weird is the second one is all about a legal case, and I thought, oh, well, they'll get Dean Cain to come back and, you know, be the lawyer in this. No, they didn't get Dean Cain to come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, he's just in there to be a bad person, which I, I, in real life, he's kind of there to be a bad person. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I think it's just, oh, this is – you know, Kirk Cameron was unavailable, so this is the star we could get. Yeah, again. And, and I don't really know that, like, if you don't believe in God, that doesn't just mean you're going to be a bad boyfriend. Like, he is just basically, oh, you have cancer, it's going to hold me back, so we're done. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, whether you believe in God or not, if your girlfriend says she has cancer, you're going to feel some, you know, even if you want to break up with her, which is still wrong – you're at least going to feign some bit of humanity. Right. This is it, weird that they yeah, did went this direction. Bad atheist is what it is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, he's oh, he doesn't believe in God, so look how cruel it makes him. And, yeah, I don't get it. Um, it it's a really weird role, because he's, he's just in it to be a jerk. And it's a really like high profile actor for this movie to get for that role. <laughs> uh, oh, I totally forgot about the, uh, the Chinese student. Yeah. Who uh, in, in the second movie as well. Oh, Mr. Josh Wheaton is not. <laughs> so, so yeah. 
yeah, <sighs> again, and this could have been used so much better to have this one, you know, one person who is, uh, you know, not a Christian who is listening to this discussion and is inspired and moved. I think that he could have been used much better, you know, as maybe the sole person who gets convinced. And, yeah. you know, and but, yeah, I guess we can talk about that later when that it, comes up. It's actually a fine little subplot until his dad comes in and they just hammer home China bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Communism like, evil. Like it, and I think they do more with that in the second movie. And, yeah, I, I do like this idea that there's someone in the class who is kind of invested in this. And it's starting to have him ask questions. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And I, the, the weird thing is, and this happens whenever you get into these kind of crash-type movies. I think Ebert called them hyperlink movies because they all kind of link up together. You end up shortchanging some subplots that I think should just be full movies. Like, I think the, the relationship between them deserves more time between Josh and this, uh, Josh and this, uh, Chinese student. Like, I I think that would deserve, be deserving of much more time in a movie to see how this friendship builds. And maybe it's like him, the Muslim girl, the Chinese student, and I am just really horrible with their names right now. (laughs) I think the Chinese student is Martin now that I think about it. Um, I think that's what my subplot said. And maybe it's, it's this whole grouping of how these people who have differing beliefs form this friendship in spite of that. And and that would be, I I would want to see that movie too. That would be more like a blue light jazz type thing. Right. uh, Here's the world's worst auto mechanic. (laughs) I mean, they're, they're, Thwarted trip to Disneyland. Yeah, and <laughs> apparently it's going to take hours and hours to get there, and they're leaving at night. So, well, they're leaving at night because the car was broken down, so they had to get a rental car. So their plans keep getting thwarted because God is, for some reason, holding them back. Wherever this was, I know the Duck Dynasty guy's truck had Louisiana license plates, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know like, where does this movie take place because. It screams Midwest to me. Yeah, I think it is. Like, I think they, they mentioned that it's going to take hours to get there. That's why they're taking their luggage. Okay. And so they're going still thinking that they can make it to Disneyland that day. Or Disney World, huh. maybe. I'm... Maybe it's Disney World. But, yeah. Well, but this guy's late for an audition, which makes me think it's in L.A. Well, no, because it's a dinner theater. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah, but the idea of an auto mechanic suddenly uh, suddenly having, oh, I got to go to an audition, just feels like an L.A. thing. Right. Like, so that's like, well, let's leave it at night so we get there first in, you know, first in line tomorrow or something. I don't know. Uh, 82 and sunny, it was probably September or October, too. So that was right. Maybe, maybe L.A.? I don't know. I live in Michigan. It could be that, too. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, oh, and something I wanted to point out that we missed is, again, just take us some time to think about your movie because the motivation of the little brother to grab his sister's phone or iPod, like, it makes no sense. That she, the, the, the Muslim girl, when she comes home, she's in her room listening to the Bible on her iPod. And the for some reason, the little brother sneaks into her room and grabs it to look at it. There's no motivation for that. And you need no, to well, think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's 
I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it just seems like the weirdest reason. I mean, when you could just think of like, you know, you're, you're coming home, the dad's there, you accidentally drop your iPod and he sees it would have been much more, you know, realistic. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, having little siblings, I, I could often, I, I, you know, I remember them running in and just grabbing stuff because they're jerks. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so Dean Kane's character is also the brother of this lady who is dating Professor Radisson. Yeah. Okay. So that's so a, that's the connection kind of the, there. He's the that's connection. Um, and we'll get into her in a minute because I have some real problems with her. Yeah. Subplot. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's checking out books. It seems like every single person on campus is in this class. Yes, because <laughs> yeah. she, the, the the librarian, is uh, in the class as well. Oh yeah, okay. So here, yep, he's coming home. He's started dating one of his students. Mm-hmm. So that's that's weird. And and he chose a Christian to date. Yes, yes. Um. I'm reading her subtitles because there's something about their conversation that I remember struck me really weird. Oh, yeah. She uh, she leaves the wine in the car. Like, she goes shopping for the dinner that she's going to – she's preparing everything because he's going to have a bunch of his professor friends over. And yes. so she's like, where's that wine I really like? And she leaves it – right now she just mentioned she left it in the car. Okay. When the dinner party comes up, that's where I have some issues. Okay. Although yeah, the, the fact that he – the fact that he uh, he dated one of his students, that's just kind of – it's so creepy. Yeah, yeah. Like, you were all blood and thunder. <laughs> <laughs> but again, why – he's so anti-Christian, and she's a Christian. Why are they dating each other? I mean, is it because they are so attractive and they just can't resist being together? I, yeah, does it, it never just, come up? It's just so weird because it's not like it's a surprise to him that, that she believes, is it? I don't think so. I, I mean, I feel like that is something like if your faith, if, if you believe in God and he's like the most outspoken atheist ever, like she obviously didn't write God is dead or God's not dead on her paper. Right. So. <laughs> But, yeah, it does seem like that would be a non-negotiable, like, for the atheist. I'm not going to, like, date a Christian. Um, but maybe she became a Christian later. Uh, again, would have been a, an issue for him. If, if yeah. he's so dedicated to destroying Josh, why wouldn't he do the same thing to his girlfriend? <sighs> it just doesn't. Again, the only reason they're putting them together is for that dinner party scene. Oh wait, wait, wait! Her, she does know he's, or he does know she's a Christian because she just said she is wondering if she is unequally yoked. Right, right. And it's like he is like the most outspoken atheist in the world. Yeah, you're unequally yoked, and yep, you know I'm a Christian. You knew that when you first started seeing me, <laughs> and you know that I'm not. Like, this is a conversation they haven't had, I guess. <laughs> just... like, so, I don't know. Like, it seems the thing he cares most about is being an atheist. <laughs> so, like, I feel like that would have been a hard part in their relationship. So, I, I don't I don't know what's going on with them. Yeah. But there is this weird strain that, that really bothers me of, now that she's a Christian, she doesn't read as much anymore. 
and all his smart friends don't like her, and it's this weird anti-intellectual thing. Right. Like, like the, it's not just that the atheists are enemies, it's that intellectuals are our enemy. On a movie that's trying to argue that you can intellectually argue for God. Yeah. Like, it, it is this weird thing where it's better to be, you know, stupid and a Christian than smart and an atheist. And, I, like, I don't know, this, like, suspicion of people who are smart and well-read, because that equates atheism. Like, that seems to go against what the movie is trying to do with saying, you know, we can be reasonable and argue for God. Instead of saying, yeah, smart people are bad. Yeah. I, I Again, and I've been to dinner parties where the hosts are fighting, and nobody sits around saying, ha, 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 you're a horrible person, one, you know, you know, yeah. girlfriend. It's really awkward. It's really uncomfortable. And everybody in the movie, I, I guess we'll talk about it when we get to it, but everyone's like on his side. And it's just this horrible moment. Yeah, it, it, and it just really bothers me, this implication that to become a Christian, like this movie is arguing, to become a Christian, it's going to kind of make you less intellectual. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not the Christianity I know. So, okay, here's his, his little fancy party, mm-hmm. where they're all, you know, because this is what professors do. They sit in their big house and have, you know, wine parties where they bash the host, and yeah. I, I I would love to get invited to one one day, I guess. Yeah. I mean, again, I've been to dinner parties with uh, smart people, and yeah, I, I don't know. Most of them are wonderful, uh, but when the hosts are fighting, it is so uncomfortable <laughs> and so, like, oh, it's just not a place you want to be. You're so wanting to change the subject. <laughs> uh, yes, and she's defending the student and everyone's like ha ha dumb girl <laughs> uh. yeah and he might not want to boast about this in front of his Christian girlfriend <laughs> Yeah, like maybe this is like the thing from work you just don't talk about to her yeah it's, so, yeah. yeah and all, all the professors are on his side what, what's a silly Christian like not all professors are atheists yeah. that's like the idea too that all scientists are atheists, or all scientists, you know, who believe in evolution are atheists, which is not the case either. Yeah. There's a lot of Christians who, a lot of Christians who are scientists who believe in evolution. Like, it's, it, again, it goes back to that us versus them thing. Like, it, it's so, like, it's stereotyping to the point of even stereotyping Christians. Yeah. Like, like they're stereotyping themselves at this point. That real good Christians you know, always stand up for their faith, which is a good thing. I'm for that. But they always love Duck Dynasty. They don't like reading as much. And they're suspect of intellectual people. And yeah. it's so, so weird. Yeah, like you said, I felt weirdly insulted myself as a Christian watching this. Yeah. Because I'm one of those people. I'm one of the people that they're making fun of. Exactly. And, uh, I, yeah, and, uh, and the student talking, the Martin talking to his dad, becomes a bigger deal in the second movie. Um, but oh, here he comes back. Second. Yeah, he he's back in the second one. Um, and, and of course, they don't show Professor Radisson. Why doesn't she get to sit at the table? By the way, like she lives with him, yeah. <laughs> so is she like his servant. Like, why can't she sit at the table and talk? Yeah, there's no open seat. Oh. 
And, uh, and making jokes about her wine tastes like the grapes of wrath. <laughs> Which, by the way, I guarantee that's not a new joke for a uh, professor. Yeah. Like laughing at an old joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. She noticed she doesn't drink the wine, mm-hmm. and she doesn't sit and eat with them. And I, I think if I was at a uh, dinner party where one of my hosts started quoting Socrates to insult his girlfriend. That would be like, that would be like the point where I'm just like, you know, I forgot about something at home. Yeah. Please don't, please don't bring us into this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is a very, like, I want to say it's a passive aggressive fight, but no, he's just being aggressive, aggressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She just needs to leave that. She needs to leave and hook up with Josh. Yeah. So there you go. Like they both had his, that, that'll his, show him. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that would have been a great comeuppance at the end of the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, he, that, he realizes that they're together, like they're, they're walking to the Newsboys show, and that's why he yeah, gets hit by a car. Exactly. <laughs> why does she go to the women's hospital? Oh, never mind. I, I was thinking that was like an abortion clinic at first. Oh. <laughs> I see there for cancer treatment, but yes. She's... The cancer diagnosis just... I, again... There's a story to be told in an atheist suddenly looking down, you know, the barrel of their own mortality. There, there's a story there, but I feel like the cancer is such a plot device yeah. that it just it doesn't work for me. It like, like I think there is like this is this is much higher stakes than Josh's story. Yeah, like maybe this in the main story because this is high stakes, especially if you're a Christian. And you want to make the point that eternity is on the line. Like, that is more important than whether or not you say God is dead in the classroom. Right. So maybe she should have been the focal point of this movie. It, yeah, especially, yeah, that's right. It's like, put up or shut up, atheist. Like, you don't believe in God? Let's see what happens when, you know, when death is, like, right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, maybe, I, I don't even think she, her subplot doesn't butt up to josh's at all from what i understand yeah i don't like, think it like does. they don't meet and that would have been it, like there's an opportunity there to have her who was so sure of what she believed suddenly questioning that talk to him who is absolutely sure of what he believes and do it in a friendly way that would have been more impressive to me than all these confrontations yeah like that would have been a. I, I would have loved a scene like that. Instead, like we get arguments, and I don't know. Like, I, if you're a Christian going into this, is this sounding new to you? Like, I feel like this is preaching to the choir again. And if you're a non-Christian, do you feel like you're just being lectured to? Yeah, this is again, that which is so bizarre because this is obviously this movie should be. I mean, by its nature, by what it's about, an an evangelist kind of movie, a movie to convert atheists, and it just does not do anything to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know. Like, there's the whole argument, too, though. Do movies have that power to convert? Because I don't don't think they do. Like, I don't think movie – I don't – believe in the whole idea of a movie that someone walks out of and says that's a really good thing now i'm a christian because i saw that movie (laughs) like i feel movies we've talked about this before i think they prompt questions and i i think 
the more interesting movie is not him arguing for the existence of God, but wrestling with his own belief in the existence of God and coming into contact with people who are starting to wrestle with what they believe as well. So then you leave the movie and you're starting to question this. Hmm. Like I, I feel a movie that unsettles you a bit is much more powerful when you walk out saying, I don't know what I thought about what those characters believe. And I'm starting to ask things. Yeah. And instead, I, I think this is designed so that Christian, like it, it literally is designed for Christians at the end of the movie to text their friends. God yeah. is not dead. Like and, literally. Yeah. And again, th- that even that's not a great uh, you know, thing to text people like it, it, it. I don't know. I don't know who made this movie and where they were when they were when they were putting pen to paper. Because there's so many directions they could have gone, and the direction that they went with is so you know, I don't know, mind boggling. Well, I think it goes into this idea of what do people want from faith based films, and why do they exist? And the whole idea is it's supposed to be an alternative, right? It's supposed yeah. to be. There's nothing at the multiplex for Christians, you know? So we're making these PG movies that deal with Christian ideas, which I don't think is a bad thing. Right. Like, every like every ethnic group and every, um, you know, they have their own movies. You know, every subculture has its own movies. And Christians should be able to make movies that deal with Christian ideas. Sure. But I feel like this is the cheapest way to do it, which is to say, you're a Christian, here's a movie about how great Christians are and how good of a job you're doing when you stand up for your faith. Like, I want to know the movie that says, you're a Christian, and sometimes you're going to wonder if you're a Christian. And what does that feel like? And what what are the questions you're going to have? And here's a character going through that. Can you relate to this? And they make this decision at the end that maybe you agree or disagree with. Well, why do you agree or disagree with this? And does the movie agree or disagree with their decision? Yeah. Cause you could, you could have a movie where Josh decides I'm not a Christian anymore. And the movie doesn't agree with that choice. Like that would be fascinating to me. You know, kind of like the whole idea with Million Dollar Baby, with a character making a decision that I think the movie disagrees with. Right. And that, I mean, that's demanding that people understand how to watch movies and engage with movies and not treat them as just entertainment. Yeah, because as Christian film lovers, we know that there are so many great secular movies that speak to our faith and challenge mm-hmm. us in every you know that that really i don't know that christian films just can't i haven't been able to do yeah yeah I, I think when you're dealing with issues of the soul in a movie you have to trust that your audience is going to handle a little bit of uh I don't know, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of ambiguity, mm-hmm. um, of not just preaching back to them and patting them on the back, but entering into this tension that does exist. And this movie enters into tension, but it leaves it tense. Yeah, It, it doesn't let people wrestle. It, it lets people talk at each other instead of dialoguing. Like, where is the uh, My Dinner with Andre where Josh sits down at a restaurant with Professor Radisson. Yeah. And the movie is just them talking about their beliefs. And at the end of the day, they go on their way, and no one has made 
a decision one way or the other, but they have talked about it. And now it's up for the audience to say, what was that all about and what do I believe? And you're going to get less of an audience. You're not going to make $60 million like God's Not Dead did, <laughs> but you're going to make better art. Yeah. Um, there was actually – I think there was a teleplay for HBO um, called The Sunset Limited right. with Samuel uh, Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. And it was written by Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And it it, re- it pretty much did that. An atheist and a Christian just sitting in an apartment arguing back and forth about this. Right. And it is fascinating. Yeah, it's a really fascinating movie. It's really interesting because they almost make uh, Samuel L. Jackson almost like an angel, mm-hmm. which is really like an interesting way to to introduce a movie that debates the existence of God. To even have that question up there for the atheist to wrestle with. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I feel there's more. Like, I'm all for Christian cinema. I, right. I Like, I'm not one of those people who thinks, oh, that's a bad idea. I'm all for Christian music. I've been blessed by Christian music. Yeah. Um, you know, good Christian music. I, I think Christian cinema is a thing that needs to be there because, honestly, some people just aren't going to go see an R-rated movie. You know, yeah. it's just not going to happen. I don't feel this is it. Um, right. <laughs> you know, and I, I do like the idea that they do set up that Professor Radisson knows his Bible. Right. Because I think that is something people tend to gloss over, is that the people I've known who know the Bible are the best are atheists. Yes. Like, they they know it. Um, and I think that's cool. And I love that there's a little second where Josh begins to think, but then he just puts it together that, oh, you must have been a Christian once, and now you're not. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute, because yeah. that's... That's another issue I have. Nope, there it is. When a 12-year-old watches his mother dying of cancer, it's only natural to beg God for her life. So it sets up – okay, this movie sets up a premise where it's going to pit this professor against a student. And they're going to have this intellectual debate about whether or not you believe in God. And they're going to set it up so you can make arguments about whether God exists and whether God does not exist because you can rationally and reasonably talk about this. But then I think the movie undercuts itself. It abandons that idea. Yeah, it, because his problem is not intellectual. His problem is emotional. He's mad at God. So he's not really even an atheist. He's just mad at God. Right. And, and, and it, it sets up that under everything is an emotional rejection. And it kind of – it just totally undercuts what it's doing, like what it's been setting up at the start. Right. And I think um... – Something that we've spoken about before, uh, I think, and I brought this up in the interview when I was on your podcast, the the way you make good movies is by making, having the filmmakers that that make these movies love movies. Mm -hmm. If they love movies, they will make good movies. Yes. Every single, like, like, let me bring up an example. I remember going to a friend's baby shower. And uh, this is the kind of friend who, like, their entire like when you become friends with them, you become friends with the family. Like you love, okay. like the mother is welcoming, and the, you make friends with the brother and the sister and everything. And so, oh, and this is the uh, the scene with the Muslim father who yeah completely this is just... loses all empathy for his daughter. Yeah, and I again, there is a way to tactfully do this 
where the, he's just disappointed in her for, you know, because yes, I, I mean, people are ostracized from their family when they change religions. I yeah. mean, Christians have done it to not to, you know, family members who become atheists and Muslims have done it to family members who become Christians. There's a way to handle that in a tasteful way. This is not it. <laughs> um, you know, where he's just suddenly abusive and throw like physically throws her out. It would have been just as emotional for him to be disappointed and quietly kick her out of the house yeah. or just leave the room. Um, the big sick actually handles that really well. Uh, yes. Uh, that's a great I, yeah, example of that. Yeah. About it. You know, it's a Muslim guy who decides he's not going to go with his family's plans and his family shuns him and they handle it in a way that is sad, but it's also funny and I, I, I don't know. It was really sweet. And this movie, it, it kind of keeps hammering home this subtext, which again is gets it more into political things, that Muslims are evil and violent. Yeah, and in and, and their attempt to to sympathize with them, it just completely fails. Yes, because there he he, he hates having to do this, but he was just the monster <laughs> in that scene. And it yeah. just does not do that well. So both their parents, okay, because now we're with, back with Martin, and both their parents are monsters. Yeah, and like <laughs> I, I have to believe some parents would just be, well, you have to decide for yourself, mm. or you know, that's not what we believe. But like one one parent becomes physically abusive, the other just screams and cuts off his son. And I, again, this is a youth group movie. This is getting into your head this idea that. You're going to be persecuted if you're a Christian. People aren't going to like you if you become a Christian. So speak up and be a Christian. And there's this weird wishing for persecution that Christian culture sometimes has. Yeah. Um, I used to do. Did you ever? Did you grow up Christian? Uh, no, I came to Christian okay. later in Christianity later in life. Okay. I grew up Christian, as I think I've said before, um, and I was a big youth group kid. And I did see you at the poll, which was. In high school, you would go out one day every fall, and you would pray around the flagpole. And I remember the big discussion was always about not how do you pray for your friends, how do you pray for your school. It was, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to laugh at you. Yeah. You know, just just keep praying. They're going to laugh at you. And you would share stories about, oh, a couple students were chuckling at us. Oh, a couple students asked us this. And it was more like it was a badge of honor if you were persecuted. Yeah. And I really like – first off, that's kind of cheap because there are Christians around the world being killed for their faith. Yeah, there there was that horrifying video that I, I just can't watch them. But I heard described where a line of Christians were made to kneel on the sand and were, were beheaded. And they were crying out to God as it was happening. And then – but then we have this movie here that – kind of i don't know it 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 it, it boggles it, i can't <laughs> understand. yeah well it, it plays into i don't think it's necessarily even that it's a bafflingly wrong-headed movie i can totally understand where this movie came from which it's a product of this american christian culture which is often us versus them hmm. and it, you know this movie is made I'm not surprised this movie made sixty million dollars. We'll say that. I, right. I think this is this is perfectly in line with the culture in which it's being made. 
Um, and, and I think it's something that Christians need to start wrestling with, which is if we're a religion of love and we are supposed to love our enemies, like that is one of the most radical things Christ ever said was love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Right. Then do we need art that portrays them as the enemy and as so vicious? Like praying for someone and loving them means you empathize with them. Yeah. And it, it just, it's the, the one, that verse or that section in the Bible that really was, uh, you know, moved me so much is the first two chapters of Romans when Paul is telling the Christians that he's writing to, like, yes, the Romans are evil, terrible, horrible people. They do horrible, terrible things. And then in chapter two, the beginning, he says, and guess what? So are you people. Yes. You're just as bad as they are, but but God sympathized for you. He loved you enough to die for you. So this is what you have to do to for them. And that's yeah. what I think is really you know a, a moving story that that would work so much better yeah this is a culture war movie this is this is honestly this is culture war propaganda yeah and i don't know how much that gets back to actual christianity like this whole idea of loving people of caring for their souls of meeting their needs like that like that's not talked about a lot in this movie instead it's People are going to challenge your faith, stand up for your faith, because other people are evil. And I, I just feel like it instills Christians, first off, with fear. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to like, – and I say that because that's who I was in in uh, high school. I was very much – I'm not going to make friends with non-Christians. I, I'm going to you know, not, not get near them because they're going to hell and they're just going to trip me up. Like that was my attitude in high school. And – it's the attitude of someone who was raised on movies like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's probably why I get so angry about this as I see, you know, it's not just a movie. It does impress on people. There are teenagers who watch this movie and think that's, you know, that's my life. It also provides really pat answers. Like yeah. everything can just be solved with a Bible verse. Like this, this woman who has been abused by her father, kicked out of her family, says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And she's just, oh, she's smiling. She's going to be okay. Yeah. And I, I under, like, there's power in that scripture, and it gives you strength. But it's it's a long road to wrestle with right. something. Like and it, it misses that opportunity of Josh going to that church and being angry and telling the pastor, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to quit. And then coming in contact with the girl who was just thrown out of her house for being a Christian. Yeah. Like that would have been a really great kind of crossroads to, you know, or moment to have. Also, it would have been a really cool move. Well, not a cool move, but more dramatically interesting. First off, no one stands in an elevator like this. Yeah. Like Professor Radisson would get off to the side. But uh, <laughs> like, what if Professor Radisson was cool? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what if he was a professor Josh really liked and looked up to? Mm-hmm. And. His beliefs start in like there is a relationship that could have made this movie really interesting. I think that's what frustrates me. Like the movies that frustrate me the most are almost like I call them almost movies. <laughs> like there is a seed of something good in there, and I feel like there there are ways that God's Not Dead could have been made into a good movie or something that like 
felt real or delved into the struggle, and it just takes the easiest way out all the time. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm going to try to quickly get through this, but going back to the story that I was telling is, to, to you know, I went to my friend's house and, you know, at this baby shower and I was talking to all these, you know, just doing the little chit chat with everyone. And then I ran into uh, her sister, who I'm also friends with, and she's trying to be an actress. And she came up to me and she's like, dude, did you see uh, Mad Max Fury Road? And I was like, yes, I did. And <laughs> we were just talking about it for an hour. And then, you know, we kind of went apart. You know, we started talking to other people. And then later on, we came back together and we're like, and we kept talking about this movie. And we literally talked about this movie that we loved all day. And that's if if a filmmaker loved movies that much, then they're mm-hmm. going to make a good movie, or they're going to be a good writer, or a good you know you know uh, lighting person, or you know assistant director, something. Yeah, because yeah, you no. love movies so much that you know why they work. Yeah, and it comes down to too. I mean, I don't think people are trying to make a movie because they love art, but because they're making a tract where people talk. Right. Um. You know, it's a these are visual trick chick tracts. But uh yeah, no, I agree because if you look at like great filmmakers, there's references to other movies just in the composition and the lighting. Um there's really not that here. Right. Like this is it, it's it's made well. Like I think it's it sounds like a backhanded compliment to say it's well lit, but I've seen so many movies that are poorly lit. <laughs> yeah. Like like this is it, composed well. I like I said, I think Kevin Sorbo is actually really good. This PowerPoint presentation is really awesome. Yeah, it's like, incredible. Like, this is like 3D. I, I don't, like, that's a lot for a college kid. Like, he needs to go into graphic design. But, um, but yeah, it, it, like, I don't, I, I get the feeling that it's just, okay, well, we want to make sure people know that God is real and they should stand up for God. Well, how can we get a lot of people to see it? Let's make a movie. Oh, I've seen movies. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, it's not entering like a real movie is about conflict. It's about a character arc, and like you said, Josh doesn't have an arc. Right, like he doesn't struggle with this. He he struggles with pulling together his argument, but he doesn't really doubt what he believes. Yeah, and just to point out, uh, Martin Scorsese loves films. Picasso yes. loved art. Jimi Hendrix loved music, and they were able to create great art. Because they loved the work that they were that they worked in, they loved the people before them, and they wanted to do that for other people, and that's how you create art. Yeah, and, exactly. And if you're a filmmaker who doesn't really like movies, who doesn't really go to movies, and you try to make one for other people, you're going to fail at it. You're just not going to know what it is about that work of art that moves people. Okay, and then the professor just says, I'm going to enjoy failing you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, by the way, that's like, you're going to get fired if you do that. Yeah. Maybe he has tenure. He could have tenure and do whatever he wants. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it, and I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 like, it's a movie that after a while I'm just kind of like, uh, yeah. you know, you just sigh. And- um, I, I feel like this would have been a nice little sketch. 
at church. But, but <laughs> yeah. And again, this is what you were talking about before. It completely abandons the philosophical debate. Yes, and it's just exact- and reduces it to an emotional, you know, discussion, uh, an emotional decision. Yeah, and yeah, I hate God. All I have for him is hate. It, it's it really is. It's like, oh well, see, the irrational person just hates God and doesn't believe in him, and yeah. and then boom, how can you hate someone if they don't exist? <laughs> boom, like that. Yeah, that moment just, in a movie, in a trial movie. Yeah, where you, how can you, hate if you don't get, you just got joshed. Ugh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I, I, I wonder what it would be like to be a student in this because you're, you're showing up for this debate and then all of a sudden it's just weirdly personal between <laughs> the student and the professor. Like, like, and I'm like we, it's, why it's do we like have to sit through party. this? Yeah, it's like that dinner party. Like this guy is just – she should not be around people. <laughs> professor Radisson just can't handle himself in front of people. It's like his dinner party's up. I'm just it's gonna get really awkward with his girlfriend, his class up. There's that one student he's just gonna get into it with. And and, and it, there would be other students who would complain to the you know, to their superior. Yeah, we're about, not really learning anything. <laughs> uh okay, Martin believed. Martin believed. And that's good. By the way, how I, I think it would have been a much better choice to have Martin be the only one who stands up. Right. Like there's your rocky ending. Like you didn't reach the whole class, but you reached this one person. Right. Or no one stands up, but Josh still feels good about his beliefs. Yes. And that would have been the point that would have brought in that point that if you convert one person, then it would have been all worth it. And Josh learns, Oh yeah, that's more important than my grade. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the whole thing was the students had to decide whether he made the case. Yeah. So I guess that gets him the A, but maybe he doesn't get the A. Maybe he sacrifices the A, but rests knowing that hey, Martin became a believer. Right. And and there again, that's the Rocky ending. That's I lost, but I won. Right. Because uh, I, you know, I, I went the distance. Rocky loses the game and or loses the fight. And spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Rocky. <laughs> or Rocky Balboa. Or Rocky or Balboa. But they lose. And still, he's, like, in the middle of the ring, like, cheering, and people love him because he was able to go, you know, round for round with a professional boxer. And that's the victory, that he was able to get through it. And it's such such a powerful movie. Again, another, Sylvester Stallone loves movies. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like, I hadn't even thought of this until that moment when Martin stood up. I'm like... That would be a very powerful thing if they said, you know, Josh doesn't get the A, but what came out of this was Martin became a believer. Right. Like, that that would be powerful. But it's it gets back to that idea of you don't just say – in these movies, you don't just say you're going to trust God if he takes everything away. In these movies, you trust God and he doesn't take everything away. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's – God gives you everything, and yeah, for Josh to lose, like get the bad grade, but know that his words made an impact on one person, I, I would have given the movie props for that. Yeah. Um, but now we're getting into the part of the movie where it just gets really awkward <laughs> and <laughs> really, really problematic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're finally going to drive to Disney World, but 
God is not going to let them get to... Well, I don't know. Maybe they do go to Disney World. After, after all, yeah. After they witness but, something horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you listen to the Good Christian Fun podcast, but uh, it's a podcast where they talk about Christian pop culture. Mm-hmm. And they just recently did a whole episode, a live episode about this movie. And I I, like, I don't know if it's bad form to promote another podcast on no, a podcast. No, no, it's absolutely... <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it is well worth a listen because it is really funny. Like, it, it's a really funny takedown of this movie. But also brings up some really good points, too. Yeah. And here's one more chance for Dean Cain just to be a really bad guy. <laughs> Pretty horrible. Just mocking like, his own mother now. <laughs> yes, yes, mocking his mother who has dementia. Ugh. Like, just, like... The final, the final nail in the coffin for this guy is just he's going to mock his mom who is dying, who has dementia, because she's a Christian. Like, I, I guess it like succeeds in showing us that this character is evil because he's he's pretty much like Satan incarnate. Yeah. In this, uh, which would have been, uh, you know, an interesting, you know, little decision to, you know, an Al Pacino moment at the end of uh, Devil's Advocate. He was Satan. Oh, you believe in God? <laughs> you know, he was Satan the whole time, pulling the strings the the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird too that like atheists. The reason people are atheists in this movie really boils down to some mommy issues. Yeah. Hey, Professor Rapp, <laughs> I wonder if Harold Kronk has some issues he's working through. Um, uh, yeah, this is just this this is just icky because it's just there to be bad. And then her moment of lucidity yeah. is to just preach at him. Like I I don't yeah, this is just icky and bad. Uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Yeah, um I, yeah. I, I guess I didn't even know until this that like Dean Cain was a Christian, like, yeah. and then I he's like a really outspoken right wing Christian. Yeah, and I don't know, but I mean, the people who are watching this movie, they tend to really don't not like prosperity gospel. You know, they really don't like Joel Osteen. Yeah. They hate the fact that he lies about the Bible, about what the Bible says, and that he's leading people astray. Yet this movie is a prosperity gospel movie. It is, if you follow God, then only good things will happen to you. And if you don't, then horrible things will happen to you. And that, that's the bizarre that that's the kind of thing that they, they dislike Joel Osteen so much, but this is a perfect Joel Osteen movie. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think Joel Osteen would love this movie and she's going to go confront the newsboys now. Yeah. Which I, I do have to wonder. Newsboys were huge when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But do, do t- are teen newsboys still huge in the teenage world? I don't know. Like, because Michael Tate, their lead singer, he was with DC Talk. Right. But now now he's Newsboys. And I will admit, like, Newsboys, old school Newsboys, were my jam. Still my jam. <laughs> like, uh, Take Me to Your Leader and Going Public, those are some fun albums. But uh, now it's just kind of they become like the house worship band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of like the Beatles showing up in a, in a movie, I guess, for some Christians. Um, I don't know how good they are of, of actors, but they get to preach mm-hmm. and they, they do it fine and they look nice in their little suits. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're, they're dressed like Green Day dresses. So. Yeah, 
So Green Day dressed like that on American Idiot Tour. Nice uh, alternative rock band. Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you listen to Newsboys at all? No, I wasn't really into uh, the Christian <laughs> rock. I okay. I was a young punk rocker, uh, you know, reading anarchist literature. <laughs> okay, so you weren't down with the boys. But no. <laughs> I, I did dig the early Newsboys with some fun stuff. And I've gone back and listened. I'm like, oh, some of it's still kind of fun. Um but she she goes to them, I think, to confront them. Mm-hmm. But then she ends up like confessing to them, and yeah. they realize, oh, you're just here to to talk to us and pray with us. And <laughs> so they do. And but again, she's uh, accosting huge names in Christianity, and she goes after newsboys, which I, I guess can fill the staple center. <laughs> That's yeah, another yeah. thing. I, I, That's another another to, miracle in this movie. Having been to a Newsboys concert, they can't fill the Staples Center. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they they just can't. Um, one thing you go back to uh, to this idea of it being the prosperity gospel is she gets saved in this, and then in the sequel she no longer has cancer. What? Yeah, they do <laughs> something interesting though. What I thought. They don't really pursue it, but there's this idea in the sequel that now that she's a Christian, she doesn't have her cancer. She's wondering if she really believes it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interesting, but they don't really do much with it. Oh. Um, there, there's a little more compassion in the second movie. Um, but yeah, that, that gets back that she loses her cancer because she becomes a Christian. And that is not too great. Yeah. And uh, this is just building to the part that I am... Uh, all those students who stand up, by the way, every student in the class stood up, but some of them still wrote God is... Oh, because it was the beginning of the Yeah, class. that was the... He's going through the old papers. That's right, because now he's starting to wonder, what do I really believe? Maybe maybe God is not dead. Maybe <laughs> I should listen to my girlfriend. I'm going to have to fail all these students, <laughs> you know, because they were wrong. Yeah. Uh, is this, this is the letter from his mom. Uh, just so manipulative. Yeah. Just, Oh gosh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, well, maybe, maybe there's still enough time. And uh. but, but I mean, if you ask these film directors, the guys, the Kendrick brothers, you know, the person who wrote this, if you asked them if they love movies, I, I don't. I mean, I think they would say yes, but I don't know if they would have the same passion for. Well, I think there is a big difference between loving movies and loving film. Right. I, I mean, everyone loves to go to the movies. Everyone yeah. loves to go like, and the easiest thing in the world to do is go to a movie and think I can do that. Like, <laughs> but to love film means you don't just like this entertainment. You like you are moved by what's on screen, and you love the construction of it. Yes. and you love like you get excited because a shot was composed a certain way. Like, those are the people who go on to make movies. Yeah. Like, good movies. And that's not a knock on Christians who don't love film, because most people don't. Most people like to go out on a Friday night and watch the Ninja Turtles or, you know, uh, Transformers. They want to be entertained. They want to come. They don't want to have to think (laughs) about this at the end of the... Oh, and wow, the Newsboys even made a cover of the That's why I was laughing. (laughs) Newsboys made the front cover. Uh, And I guess that was the Raleigh Raleigh Times, so maybe it's North 
Carolina. Yeah. But yeah, they made the front page of the newspaper not because of anything they did, but just because they're going to be on tour. Like that doesn't even happen when like U two comes to town. <laughs> yeah, they don't make the <laughs> cover of the, yeah. of the newspaper, and they fill yeah. the Rose Bowl. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that's funny, and it, it just happens to be their God's Not Dead tour. Which, hey, that's the name of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know, like, okay, I, prayer prayer scenes in movies never come off as authentic to me. Yeah. Uh, so, and I do like, though, that they referred to God as the only true master of the universe, because growing up, I was not allowed to watch He-Man because only God is the master of the universe. Oh. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I feel like these prayer scenes, and I understand they have to have them, like, that's how you show someone is converted, mm-hmm. but... You're you're dealing with a very internal thing when you deal with conversion, and I don't know if anyone's ever cracked how to cinematically portray that. Yeah, like I, I mean, I, I, yeah, Christian or non-Christian alike. Yeah, I don't know if there is a way. Like maybe like a Terrence Malick can actually get internally into portraying belief in God. Right. Um, and like Tree of Life or something, but that's that's hard to do. Now it's time for the Big Newsboys concert, which, by the way, when I saw them in concert, they actually did a pretty good show, and they had like a drum machine where the drummer would like flip upside down and stuff. Oh wow! And, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty elaborate. Um, that was a old batch of new boy Newsboys, though. This is newer Newsboys who also are singing a song called "God's Not Dead." Yeah, which, <laughs> very coincidental. Yes, yeah, which. I don't hate this version of the song, actually. (laughs) I think we sang it at church, but these are like the most un-rock and roll people in this audience, though. (laughs) This is just, you can tell, these are all, like, it's a Christian audience. Like, we're jumping up and down, but we're not really dancing, and they mention Jesus, so we cheer, and the drummer's very proud of himself. (laughs) Um, this, This is just getting, this is getting to their, like, big budget action sequence in a but second. i must say they probably love music of they all kinds so yes um well they're like i don't know the reason i like their old stuff is it was like it had clever lyrics they kind of sounded different than anything to me now they just sound like a worship band yeah like and that's just the christian industry but i mean uh, what, they've grown up i mean it's not like at the time i'm sure they yeah now yeah. i'm curious because um, the blogger mm-hmm. went to the newsboys when she had a spiritual crisis. He starts having a spiritual crisis and sees a newspaper and is like, is he now just like, oh, now I'm beginning to wonder what I believe. I should go ask this rock band what I believe. No, I, I think he knows that his girlfriend's going to the concert. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. It, oh, this is just getting awkward. This is it. Yeah. Oh. Oops! Wow. <laughs> the slow motion shot is what's so. Oof. Which I did hear a theory. Do you think that was Dean Kane in that car? Oh, that's a, that's a really wow. That's like a yeah. What do you call it? The Pulp Fiction style, like you know, yeah. conspiracy. That 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 would have been because he drove away. That was a hit and run. I mean, that's what that Dean Kane character would do. Um. Yeah. yeah. This just bothers me that the big bad atheist can't just come around at the end. He has to die. Yeah. But That's it, so in, mean. Yeah, and courageous. I mean, like you were talking about before, Christian movies are really dark. 
and courageous, the, the daughter of a family dies. And that's what motivates the dad. It's like a movie about a dad not having enough time for his family. And when his daughter dies in a car accident, he then, you know, realizes that he needs to be a better father. And you don't have to do that, guys. You don't no. have to kill people to create drama. I mean, if she, even if she just got into an accident and she's, you know, just is getting better, it, that would have been motivation enough. And I don't know. It's it, I, ugh, that's crazy. That yeah, and it's I, I know the movie is trying to. I don't think they ever really pull it off. This whole idea that everyone is just in the right place right now, mm-hmm. which is something all these movies like Crash and stuff do. Like yeah. fate just brings all these people together, and in this case, God brings you know the pastor to that scene so he can be there when the guy's dying. And I understand that. I don't think the movie ever like. I, it feels more like a fluke that they're on the same place, yeah. <laughs> or like really ham-fisted screenwriting instead of oh wow, we just con- coincidentally were there. But yeah, the deathbed confession is just kind of weird. It, yeah, it, I don't know. It's it's just a trope that I kind I find kind of distasteful. Like god brought you here so you would die so you would ask him into your heart yeah it's and it goes back to that idea of the christmas shoes song where uh you know the the god gives the little kid's mom cancer just so he'll be in the line at the store at the moment that guy's grumpy on christmas like it, it just show, it, like it's it's a mean view of God that I don't know that I know how to reconcile. Right. Like, I, I, I probably tend to be more Calvinist than anything, so I believe he is in control of everything. But I don't know if there's a way to depict that without just really making it look weird and yeah. bad. And, you know, to be fair, again, we're talking about preachy movies are never good. Mm-hmm. Secular preaching movies are never good. Fast Food Nation, exactly. a terrible movie. Um, what was the one that I brought up before? Uh, the Life of Life and Death of David Gale about um, about the death penalty. Terrible movie. And you know, if you try to preach at people, if you're already on the right side, and you want to tell people, you know, that they're wrong and that we're right, it's never going to come out right. Yeah, and I think even Crash is a preachy movie. Yeah, that is a, a really bad movie as well. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if the news, well, I guess because they're Christians, but the Newsboys' music doesn't seem to line up with Willie Robertson's brand. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but here he and is. I, and it appears like everything that's been going on at this college has become like huge news because Willie Robertson knows about it and the newsboys know about it. But there's never been a hint that like newspapers are picking up on this or why isn't the blogger picking up on this? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really weird that it becomes news when I don't think anyone's heard about it. Uh, <laughs> did you receive any text? Yes, that, I did. Uh, did you really? Yes, I did. It was... <laughs> I saw it on Facebook. When I was on Facebook, I saw I could always tell when my friends were getting out of God's Not Dead because <laughs> their Facebook feed would be God's Not Dead. When, again, just try to think about what you're going to be doing. God's Not Dead isn't a good text to send people. That's not <laughs> going to convert them. Christ loves you no matter what might be better or, you know, you're never alone. You know, I'm here for you or what, you know, nothing antagonistic. 
<laughs> you know, please. Well, what if, like, if you're supposed to send that message to everyone in your phone, is your boss going to get a text that says God's not dead? Because that's a really awkward conversation to have at work the next yeah. day. Yeah. So, oh, now Josh gets a girlfriend. Yeah. So, so that's good. Good for Josh. Um, yeah, I, they do the same thing in the second one, by the way. They ask you to shout out or to text out God's not dead. Oh. And uh, that, I, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. So that's why yeah. that happened again. <laughs> yeah, because the newsboys are in that one, too. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. and they have that they new song that I think is even more, like, blatantly about persecution. Oh. Um, because I don't think they wrote this song for the movie. Like, I... I God's Not Dead is a song I remember singing in church before the way before this movie came out. Oh. So, and I liked it, and then this movie kind of ruined it for me um, because it <laughs> turned it turned something that I thought was like a very personal worship song. You know, he's he's living inside, roaring like a lion. This idea that God is not dead; he's inside of me. But now it's a political cry. Like I I'm not singing it to reassure myself that God is not dead. I'm preaching it at everyone else to to say, "Don't persecute me because God's not dead." Right, it, but, I know. That's the hard part about this is like you're taking things that are internal, like matters of the soul that are should remain probably internal in a lot of cases, or aren't meant to be political rallying calls. Like I don't think the gospel is a political rallying cry. No, it's <laughs> I call it the culture war. It's a very internal thing. It's a very communal thing that you share in friendship with others. But we're treating it as like this cudgel to like bash people over the head with. Yeah. Again, the whole thing about persecution, especially in the Bible, it's you should preach love and compassion in spite of the persecution. It's not Paul and Jesus saying you're going to be persecuted by the enemy and their terrible people. It's mm-hmm. you need to love them in spite of the fact that you're being persecuted. Like, yes, this is going to happen to you. But you need to persevere and be better and, you know, pursue righteousness in spite of the persecution, not, you know, the the world is evil and you should fear them. Yeah. Um, I did wonder, too, someone else brought it up. I think it was on the Good Christian Fun podcast. Dean Cain realizes he got the text that said, God's not dead. Mm-hmm. Was he looking at that text when he ran into the other guy? Yeah, I know. That's... <laughs> Yeah, and now like the pastor is going to be so upset. <laughs> or no, now now not upset. The pastor that might be the same it car. I think it's the guy. same car. <laughs> yeah, I think he did hit him. Uh now the pastor's happy. Oh, it's a, okay, that line. What happened here tonight is a cause for celebration. Oh man. <laughs> like I get what they're trying to say that the guy was saved and he's going to heaven and that's great. You don't say that at the scene where the guy died. Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, that, that's just a really awkward thing. And it's like, yeah, okay, cause, let's go to Disneyland now. Yeah, you know? Well, this guy just died in front of us. Let's go to Disneyland. That, that, well, you know, uh, not to be cruel, but that would ruin my day. I, I yeah. don't think I'd want to go to Disneyland after I witnessed a, a murder, essentially. I'd be like... I just need to go home and sit and think about things and think about what happened for a bit. Yeah. I can't and get the picture out of my head. <laughs> and it's really weird to have that scene where he's dying juxtaposed against this celebration at this concert. Yeah. 
Like it's we're celebrating, yeah, and guess what? Now the bad professor is dead. <laughs> and uh, and oh. then yes, the, the well, call to text, and now the call for all the uh, court cases. Right, but which, I, again, obviously not film lovers because they're telling people to take their phones out in the movie. Yes, do yeah, not do that. Yeah, I don't think this played at the Alamo Draft House. No, <laughs> the um, whole audience would have been kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I, I'm not going to read through all these court cases. I don't know if anyone did, but from what I heard, a lot of these, the majority of these court cases, were not issues of a student, you know, and a professor going at it like in this movie. Right. It was about students handing out like handbills or something and the school had like a rule don't hand out handbills yeah it's all different kinds of uh, cases where christians were persecuted yeah and i've heard a lot of them really are very could be very loosely considered you know persecution yeah again my school's in one of those oh (laughs) i'm not gonna say which one but i'm looking at it right now and uh yeah the school changed its uh unconstitutional policy so Yay. Um, Again, but uh, again, some of these are actually, you know, uh, discrimination, I'm going to call them, because they're, like I said, this does happen from time to time. But then other times, like, and again, I don't want to get into a political discussion. Sometimes it's just your job to do your job. Yes. And it's not persecution. And if your job tells you to... Uh, to do something that you're morally opposed to, then I would recommend you quit because it's part of your job. And it's almost, I don't know, is it just as immoral to keep a job in which it is policy to do things you don't agree with? Uh, it might be. I mean, I, yeah. that's suffering for your faith, isn't it? Having to quit? Isn't yeah, that the right yeah. decision? Yeah, and I've known people who have like not been persecuted, but like their boss has asked them to do something unethical. And so they've had to quit. They've lost their job as a result of doing the right thing. And, you know, I I think that still stands. If my job was telling me, hey, you've got to end everything you write with God's not dead. Or hail Satan. (laughs) Or hail Satan. um, You know, I'd probably quit my job. Uh, Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's trying to start a movement. In fact, the movie even says, join the movement. Yeah. uh, You know, at the very end. And. Again, good art. I don't think joint, you know, implores you to start a movement. <laughs> you know, it doesn't tell you, "Hey, by the way, to learn more, go to this website." Or, <laughs> you know, now take what you've learned and do this because again, I think good art prompts questions and it doesn't leave you with answers. Um, the second movie also ends with uh the court cases too. Oh. Uh, yeah, and it's the second movie does to its credit, it's more empathetic towards its characters. And it's actually, I think the first half is kind of interesting the way it sets up some of these, the way the characters have changed from the first movie. Sure. Um, There's interesting things. And then it just evolves into a court case with Melissa Joan Hart. I will say Ray, Ray Wise, who has played Satan before on a TV show, he is the ACLU lawyer in it who is going against the Christians. <laughs> he is really good. <laughs> he, Ray Wise doesn't do bad performances. And he's, right. he's really good. Like when he says, I'm going to prove God is dead. Like you believe <laughs> it. It's, it's, like, it's very Miracle on 34th Street about yes. <laughs> proving whether Santa is real or not. So that is the wonderful God's dead. Not. Not. <laughs> but again, 
this is kind of, and it's almost frightening to me that they're trying to create a movie that tells us that we should be fearful of the world. It, it, it really is, I think, anti, like really dangerous for Christians to shelter themselves away, to yeah. be angry at the world, to be, I, I, it's really dangerous for our faith to do that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's the wrong message to, again, this is a movie that is definitely aimed at a youth group audience. Right. And to tell them, by the way, you're going to get college soon, and people are going to be out to get you, so just expect that. Like, it just sets you up for bad relationships in college. Like, it sets you up to be a jerk, um, yeah. or to be suspicious of people and to isolate yourself from others, which is not a Christian thing. Like to say there are people who don't believe when you go to college or when you go, you know, into the work world. I went into journalism and was warned, you know, about the unchristian liberal journalists. They're the, some of the best friends I ever met, <laughs> you know, uh, like acknowledge that there are people out there who don't believe what you believe because, for a lot of Christians, that's going to be your first time encountering people who don't share your beliefs. But make a movie that tells them that's not a scary thing. That's not a bad thing. That's an opportunity to really get to know people, to think differently, but also to have your beliefs solidified. Because if you come in contact with people who don't share your beliefs, you've got to start asking yourself, what do I really believe? And I... I, I'm a Christian because I believe God can handle those questions, and he did handle those questions in my life. Right. So I think that's the better art to make. Yeah. Again, don't try to convince people of something. Have it challenge you and what you believe. That makes the better movie, and that solidifies something for you. And it, while you need conflict, not every character should be in conflict. Like it, yeah. It's more... It's kind of fun to watch characters like each other on the screen and draw conflict, internal conflict, out of those good relationships. Yeah. I still think if if Professor Radisson had – I feel like I want to rewrite this movie to what I feel it should have been, <laughs> which is like Professor Radisson's a cool guy who Josh really likes. And he starts making Josh think, what do I believe? And his girlfriend is questioning what she believes. And he's getting to know this Muslim friend. And this movie is just this ensemble piece about all them going through this first year of college together. And at the end of the movie, Josh either believes or doesn't. His girlfriend either believes or doesn't. But it's left with the audience to say, what do I think about that? Right. That would be a movie I would see and I would I would champion. And yeah. maybe the preachy, angry Christian could be the bad guy. <laughs> it, that, that could be a thing. Or maybe there's no bad guy. Like, that's, yeah. that's the other thing. Maybe there's not a villain. Maybe there are differences of beliefs, but the movie doesn't have to make one of them a villain. They can just... This is who I am. And, you know, Richard Linklater does this with his stuff. He doesn't have bad guys in yeah. his movies. His movies are people sitting around talking. Uh, he also did Fast Food Nation, but <laughs> yeah, um, which I haven't seen, but I, I have not heard well, kind things about. But, like, you think of something like um, well, Brooklyn. Oh, Dazed and Confused. Right. Oh, that's a – yeah. Yeah, Dazed and Confused. Like, where is the Christian Dazed and Confused, where it's a Christian who is friends with the potheads and the, uh, you know, the Muslim and the atheist, and they're all friends, and they're just hanging out, 
talking. Like, yeah. where is that movie? I want to see that movie. And I want to see a, an atheist make that movie, too, where a Christian is not a preachy, angry person, but someone who has a deep belief. And they believe a certain way, and they're not ridiculed for that. They're not seen as, you know, an antagonist for that. That's just who they are. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, I think that brings us to the end. Uh Thank you guys for listening. Again, this I hope this wasn't insulting to anybody who likes the movie. This is meant to make you think and to want to, you know, pursue the world and, again, try to create better art that can really motivate and change people. Uh, not, not, again, not convince them because I don't think, like you said, it can't do that. A film can't do that. It can challenge you and make your thoughts stronger and you know, inspire you. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So anyways, thanks uh, for listening. Uh, you, the, um, uh, like where, where can we find you, Chris? On, online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CDubs727, or you can find my writing and my podcast at crossculturecritic.com. And facebook.com slash crossculturecritic as well. Yes, that is right. Yeah. Thank you. Where yeah, where you after the uh, you often ask uh, the audience to uh, to chime in with their opinions of movies and music, uh, and you're really good about uh, you know talking to your audience. So oh, we try, yeah. <laughs> we try, we try. Um, we're trying to get better about that in the uh, the new year too. So right. so, so yeah. again, uh, and you can find us at uh, thecommentarians.libson.com at facebook.com slash thecommentarians, uh, Instagrams dot com slash the uh, the commentarians pod twitter.com slash commentarians 88 and you can email us at commentarianspod at gmail.com again thanks you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you next time bye you've been listening to the commentarians podcast a raven creek social club production don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram if you like what you heard please leave us a review on itunes if you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.